They garnished my tax return. Unfortunately, I was very broke at the time and that was going to be put towards some bills that I needed to take care of and that put me farther behind. This is Taxes in 10, a limited series from the podcast Money Confidential at Real Simple. I'm your host, Stephanie O'Connell Rodriguez, and this week we're talking to a Nevada-based listener who we're calling Kendall, not her real name. Back in her mid-20s, Kendall had a car repossession on her credit. While she initially owed around $9,000, she was able to settle the debt for about $3,000. I made my payments, I paid it all off, did my taxes that year, no issues. The following year, a few weeks after filing her tax return, Kendall got an unpleasant surprise from the IRS. I get a notice from the IRS that they are taking 70% of my refund due to underreporting my income for the previous year. The IRS considered the difference between the amount Kendall initially owed and the amount she ultimately settled her car debt for as income, which was about $6,000. That is when I learned that... Certain debts that are discharged or negotiated can be counted as income even if you don't actually see the money and will be taxed. Because she had not paid taxes on that income, 70% of Kendall's tax refund that year was garnished. That's the thing about taxes. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. In Kendall's case, she didn't realize the IRS would count the difference in the debt she'd settled with her creditor as income. Maybe you've experienced something similar where you didn't know you had to report the income you made on your freelance side hustle, or you didn't realize you were missing out on tax deductions you were actually entitled to. And even if for some reason you do know the ins and outs of the tax code in one year, the laws and rules are always changing, which is why there's a whole industry dedicated to tax planning and preparation. But even navigating that can feel complicated. I mean, you practically have to have a PhD just to do your taxes every single year. There's so many loopholes, so many deductions. And it gets more complicated the older you get, the more life stages you go through when you start to have children, if you start a small business, if you're heading into retirement, it gets complicated every step of the way and you got to stay on top of it. It's a lot to unpack. So we're turning to personal finance experts, Kristen Myers, editor-in-chief of The Balance, and Caleb Silver, editor-in-chief of Investopedia, for answers. It is 100% okay for you to do your taxes yourself. Do not feel that you need to go and spend money on a tax preparer or certified accountant. If your financial picture is fairly simple, you go to work and that's the primary source of your income. You don't have side hustles. It's just very basic and straightforward. And it is perfectly fine to use tax software. And it depends on the complexity of your financial situation. How complicated is your financial life? And if this person has a lot of investments, if this person has a lot of stock options potentially from a company they're working for, or they've inherited some money, or they've been gifted some money, there's all kinds of ways your tax life can become very complicated. And then it might be time to talk to a professional. But you know what you can do? There are a lot of registered investment advisors that can help you not only with your investments, but also with your taxes, also with your insurance. So maybe it's not time for a tax prepare on its own, but maybe you need broader financial advice. So there's ways to be thinking about this beyond, can I just have somebody help me with these forms? Maybe it's part of your holistic life planning. And we see a lot more financial planners offering that service. I also want to mention here that if you earn under a certain amount, and it does depend on state or municipality, you can actually qualify for some free tax advice. And even with the IRS, There's something called the IRS free file. If you earn under a certain amount, you can actually make use of some of the software through the IRS website. 
So Kristen, let's say that I've decided I'm going to take the DIY route. What do I need to answer the questions that software is going to ask me? So you are going to want to have the records that show how much you earned that year, records that might have showed what your expenses were that year, what your mortgage insurance is going to be. And a lot of these documents are actually being mailed to you, particularly at the beginning of the year. So even if you change jobs, your old employer will send you a W-2, your current employer will send you a W-2. You might also find that your investment accounts are sending you documents. Your student loan provider might start sending you documents. You're going to want to have all of these documents to fill out some of that software. So if I'm looking for a tax professional, who is the kind of person that I'm looking for? It depends on what you want. So a certified accountant, CPA, doesn't necessarily only need to do your taxes. They can actually handle a lot of your financial transactions that might be going on. But if you only care about tax time, it doesn't have to be a certified accountant, but it is going to be a registered tax preparer. And the IRS actually has a list by state of all the registered tax preparers within that state. And they're going to help walk you through strictly the tax process. After the break, we're back with what happens and what to do when you get a notice from the IRS after filing your tax return. Caleb, what happens if I make my best effort and I still get that dreaded notice that I'm being audited? Yeah, those are five terrifying letters that spell audit. But taxpayers should understand that an audit no way implies that you're doing some criminal activity, right? Taxes are complicated. Tax forms are complicated. There's a lot of financial data, a lot of numbers. Maybe you made an error. Some are just things like unusual deductions. Let's say you made an unusual deduction for a home office beyond the standard amount that you're allowed to do, or more than one home office, or in several states. That could be a red flag for the IRS. Maybe it's the business use of your car. You've overused your car. You're claiming too much. That could send a red flag as well. So there's a lot of things that could really raise the red flag. Sometimes it's a complete honest mistake that you made. Sometimes you maybe have overdone it or your accountant maybe overdone it trying to claim a deduction for you. It's really a process that you go through and they'll notify you every step of the way. And then once you come to some agreement that either overstated your taxes or overstated your refunds, you might owe them money and you got to get right on paying that. So let's say I've been audited. I do owe more money. What next? Well, you're going to get a report from the IRS saying that you owe money and you're going to sign that. And if you sign it, you can't fight it anymore in tax court. You can appeal it. You can go a couple other rounds with the IRS. But once you sign the statement that you've been audited and you owe a certain amount of money, that's it. You got to pay that money back. You could get charged interest on the money you owe the IRS. It's 5%, but it could go as high as 25% depending on the nature of the audit and the amount you owe. If you can't make the payments, you can set up an extension payment plan with the IRS. They're very good about that. They just want their money and that could be a monthly payment plan. That could be an offer and compromise to settle the debt for a smaller amount than you owe. So there are ways to negotiate, but you have to make sure that you're signing all the documents, you're reviewing all the documents, and then you're taking the right steps. If the IRS is already calling you, you should have an alarm bell go off in your head because typically speaking, the IRS prefers snail mail to calling you, at least at the first instance. The IRS will never demand on the phone that you pay them immediately. You can pay back your bills in incremental amounts. They're never going to ask you to pay them in a wire transfer or a gift card or a prepaid debit card that you mailed to some address. That will never, ever, ever happen. 
Next time on Taxes in 10, we'll discuss how milestone moments such as buying a house, getting married, having a baby might also alter how you plan for tax season. This has been Taxes in 10, a limited series from the podcast Money Confidential at Real Simple. Follow Money Confidential on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. 